We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. God does a lot in the middle of again. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 3. You need to go back to where all this started. Genesis chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Now this is very important, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now that is a promise made by God. I want you to hear that. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Verse 16. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. This is the inception of sin and its effect on all of mankind, on all of creation, until Jesus comes back. God made a promise. That he would allow her offspring. To crush the head of the enemy. Adam and Eve. They didn't have parents. She was a mom. But she did not have a mom. He was a father. But didn't know what his role as a father was. All of this was something that was the first time ever. This is the first family. But because of the sin, they lost everything. Now she thought she was doing something good, but it turned out bad. Have any of you ever thought that you're doing something good and the result was something bad? We've all been there. Adam forfeited his leadership. And this started the death process. But Eve received a promise. Her children will vindicate the enemy for her sins. And for Adam's sins. And so we know that she became pregnant. She had a son named Cain. She had another son named Abel. And everything was going good. She didn't have a pattern. She didn't have a seminar. She didn't have videos to look at. She didn't have anything to guide her on being a mom. But she raised those boys right. I mean, she did. She taught them how to love God. She taught them how to give their lives to God. Taught them how to pray. Did all these things. And life is going good. Kids are growing up. Cain gets himself into a great position with uh, plowing. And Abel has his flock. And, and everything's going well. But how many know that our children inherit our genes, our DNA? So they've got Adam and Eve's DNA. And now they've also had on there a curse of sin. So they have human DNA plus the effects of sin in their life. And how many of you know that that can cause devastation? And so we know the story that, that Cain killed Abel, right? Yeah. So now we have a mom. One son is murdered 
The other son is a murderer. And God promised her that her children would live to vindicate her sins on the enemy. That their heel would crush his head and that they would be able to destroy him. And all he could do was touch their heels. Now i got to have this thought for just a minute. I'm sure she's sitting there thinking, God, what has happened? Your word to me was my children would destroy the enemy, vindicate. You would put enmity. My children would crush his head and, and, and teach him a lesson for deceiving me and Adam. And now God, one of my sons is murdered and the other one is a murderer. She lost both sons. She did. The one who was left, he was, he was cast out to the land of God. She's lost both sons. The prophecy is not going right. In those moments, I'm sure she stopped and said, God, what are you doing? Have any of you ever been there? I mean, to where you feel like you get a word from God, you feel like that you're doing everything right, and God has made your promise, and then all of a sudden you look around at reality and go, God, this is not what I thought your word declared. My home's getting messed up. You said train up a child. My kids are messed up. My finances, my health. This is all going. This is not the picture of victory and not the picture of vindication that I had in my head that you were going to give to me. Come on. Imagine how Eve felt. Blood screaming from the ground, the Bible says. Eve screaming at the death of her son and looking at the other one knowing that he killed him. I got to tell you today, it crushed all of her hope. God's prophecy did not match her situation. So the question today we have to ask is, did God lie? Did God lie to Eve? Because this isn't working out. Labor pains cannot be as bad as burying pains. She had a lot of pain giving birth to those children. But I cannot imagine the pain as she stood over her son's grave. Some of you moms are today face that. And I'm sure in those moments, in all of our hearts, we stop and say, this is not how it was supposed to be. Now my other son has been cast out. And God, I have nothing. I've got to tell you, whatever you are going through today, it is not the end of your story. God cannot lie. All men are liars, but God cannot lie. When we fail, when we have a disaster, God will do something Again, in your life, in my life, if we have pictures that does not look what we thought God thought it should look, I'm telling you, it's not the end of the story. I want to get this in your spirit. God burned it into my spirit this week. Just because what you see is not what you thought it would be, doesn't mean that God has lied. It doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. God will keep His word. God is 
faithful. He will take and do something again to make his word truth. Now look with me at this. Genesis 4.25. Adam made love to his wife again. And she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. Saying, God has granted me another child. Next three words are very important. In place of. God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. In place of. In, in the, the original like this has been a divine appointment by God. So that God can be truthful to his word. God has given me a son in place of. Adam knew Eve again. So that God's will could be brought into vision. Look at it. I want to read it again. Adam made love to his wife. What? Say it with me. Again. She named him Seth. Saying God has granted me a child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Verse 26. It gets exciting. Seth also had a son. And he named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Do you sense where God is beginning to start something again? Where God is about to start something again? Again, because all hope was lost. It's not working out. The plan is not looking too good, God, because both my sons are now gone. God says, I've always got a plan. I, what the enemy caused to destroy you, I will make it to be a blessing to you. And he began to do something again in Adam and Eve's life. He began to give them hope. He began to say, wait a minute. The courtroom scene's not over. Hell, stop your party. Because I've got a plan this morning. I've got an anointing this morning. I've got a power this morning that says, I don't care if all hell comes against you. God will put something in your life in place of what the enemy speaks. In place of it. In place of it. Jesus Christ's genealogy came through Enosh. Christ did not come through the first tribe. It was on the second attempt. The first attempt messed up. They failed. Listen, if on your first attempt to serve God or do something for Him and you fail, don't stop. Do it again. Well, Pastor, I tried to witness, but I got rejected. I'm never going to do that again. No, no, no do it again. Yeah. I tried to sing a special, and I, I forgot every word, and I was so embarrassed. I'll never do that. Oh, yeah, do it again. Right. Just because we do things, and it gets thwarted. We do things, and it gets messed up. Because the enemy comes in and tries to destroy it. Don't you dare let that stop you. You brush yourself off. You get the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life. And you stand up and say, God, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to try again. Because your word is truth. It's truth. I don't trust people who never do anything wrong. I just don't trust them. I've met quite a few in my life. Especially in the ministry. Well, I've never done anything wrong, Pastor. Wow. God uses failures. The word loving kindness. Thy loving kindness is better than life. 
You know what that word means in the Hebrew? Your second chances. It's better than life. God, I, if I do something and I fail, you don't just cast me out, but you help pick me up and say, hey, why don't you try that again? We went to my grandson's last little t-ball game Thursday night. My granddaughter could care less about the baseball game. You know what she wants? Poppy's shoulders. You know what Poppy gets to do during the whole baseball game? Got on my shoulders? I'm jumping. I do it a few times. I'm beginning to feel my, my calf muscles tighten up. So I stop. Guess what she said Thursday night? Again, Poppy, again. I'm failing. Again, Poppy, again. And guess what this old Poppy does? Again and again and again. Why? Because she asked me to. She asked me to. I'm wondering what the Father is wanting to do for all of us today again, but we have to ask Him to do it again. We need a fresh anointing in our own personal life. God, do it again. Breathe on me. Fill me with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Let rivers of water flow out of my bellies to bless other people. Let the hot tears pour down my face again. Let me feel the desperation that I've got to touch you today. God, do it again. God, heal my body again. The enemy's trying to destroy me, but God, your word says, do it again. God, renew the love in our marriage. We used to be so in love. Do it again. Do it again. I talked with a great dear friend of mine this week. His name's Richard Bolte. His wife was diagnosed with leukemia in November. She was losing a lot of weight. They started treating the leukemia, found out that what they were doing wasn't working. Her blood count was supposed to be zero in this particular area. The first time they tested it was 100. After treatment, it's now 1,000. After another treatment, it's now 10,000. Something's not right. So they went back again and did another test, and she has a very rare leukemia that only six to seven people in the United States have. It is non-treatable. They said we can do two things. We can either give you treatments. You will last longer but your days will not be filled with very much joy because the treatments have such a harsh effect on you. They went home. They got the family together. She decided, I'm not going to have any treatments. I would rather have all my days to be good until the very end than to take these treatments. So I was talking with my, with my dear friend Richard Bolte. He said, Pastor, this morning... Sandy and I were sitting out on the porch and having a cup of coffee and just laughing and having the best of times. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. He said, but right now I'm on the way to the pharmacy to get medicine. And I got to tell you, I feel all the hell coming against me right now. He said, it hits me in waves. It hits me in waves and, and I, I don't understand it. 
And he said, I've preached the message all my life in the ministry about how to handle hard times. And he said, I preached with such conviction. And I preached it with such knowledge that I knew how to do it. But until now, I've really never had to do it. And he said, guess what message God is preaching to me today? How to handle hard times. He said, I don't know if I can do it. I said, you can't do it by yourself. I said, but we're going to join together this phone right now and we're going to pray again. I believe in miracles. I believe that God can do anything. I believe that God can pour out His Spirit like He did on the day of Pentecost again. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. There will be a revival of the church. I'm praying for a revival of hunger and thirst. A revival where we come to God, present ourselves and say, God, do it again. Put that fire in me to love you, to worship you, to follow you, to seek for you, to bless you, to witness. God, give me that passion again. Put a fire, set it into flame inside. Again. Again, God will give you second chances. He's not a God who sits up there and is just waiting for you to fail. No, He's a God who's sitting up there and when you do fail, He'll say, you know what? Let's try this again. Let's try this again. I was praying about this and God... He said, he said here, here, here's some example you need to give the church. I said, okay, what is it? He said, there once was a young man, had long flowing hair, <laughs> took the donkey's jawbone, and killed a whole bunch of people. He had taken Nazarite vows. He was an awesome, awesome specimen of a man. They was Samson. And God used him mightily. Until he started failing. He started being a failure to temptation. Laying his head in the devil's lap. You know the story? There was once, two, three times, whatever. He would come back and break the ropes and, and all those things. And, and here's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. The verse says, and he did not even know that the Spirit of God had left. He went to rise up in his own street and he couldn't break the ropes this time because his strength was gone. They bound him up, took him out. They, they did all kinds of torture and they gouged his eyes out. I want you to see this. And then they hooked him up like an animal to grind. He cannot see he, he's, he's hung up there and he's just walking around in circles. Wow. Surely God would never do anything with him again. Look at how many times he's messed up. How many times God has already given him a second chance. And God looks down and God hears a man say something. Judges 16, 28 through 30 says, Then Samson prayed unto the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me? God, 
And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against him, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might. And down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. God used him again. Again. And I'm thinking about this and praying about it. And I'm saying, God, what do you want him to get this into my spirit so that I can get it into the spirit of the church? He said, oh, they will know when they hear you say it, what I'm trying to tell them. He said, my spirit is going to quicken their hearts. My spirit is going to bring back to their memory. My spirit is going to remind them. Remember how you used to worship? I mean, jumping. Again! Remember? When you fell on your face and gave your heart to God. And you said, I'll serve you the rest of my days. <coughs> hey, we've all messed up since that time. I have failed since I knelt my knee. But God has never given up on me. And God is not giving up on you. He's telling the preacher to tell everyone of you today. I will do what I've called you to do. I've got promises for your life. And it may not look like it today. It may not feel like it today. But my promise is true. My word never fails. And what the enemy calls to destroy you, I will cause it to bring about the best in your life. I will do it again and again and again. But you've got to ask me to do it. You've got to come to me and say, God, remember me. Of course. You're the apple of my eye. I think about you all the time. My son is praying for you all the time. He's praying for you right now. Listen to the preacher. Come on, don't let your phone distract you. Don't let society distract you. The enemy has come again this week. I mentioned it earlier in Santa Fe, Texas. It grieves my heart. It hurts of the senses. How a young man could be deceived like Adam and Eve were deceived. I look around at our young generation in our church and in this world and I'm like, God, the church, the church has got to tell them the truth. We cannot let the only voice in their life be the world, be the Facebook, and be the Instagrams and the Snapchats and all the things of social media. It can't be the only thing coming from liberal society. We've got to have a preacher. We've got to have a church. We've got to have moms and dads that will look at these young people's lives and say, you know what? You can do anything God has called you to do. But you've got to let God do it in your life again and again and again. Come on, church. We've got to be their voice. We cannot let them hear the world. 
adults here today, God is not finished with you. As long as you have breath, you have purpose. God told me to challenge you today to stand up. Look up. And put on your armor. If you're financially broke today, stand up and get it fixed. If you're lonely today, God will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're hurting today, He has the balm of Gilead that can soothe all your wounds. If you are weak, he said, Paul said it, that when I am weak, God becomes my strength. If I am all alone, He will be your friend again. It may be your second time, twelfth time, two hundredth time, seven thousand time. They asked Jesus one day, how many times should we forgive? Seven times. Seven? Because that was the law said. The Bible tells us that there's an unlimited amount of forgiveness coming back to us. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take away all your hope, all your joy, and all your peace. He wants to get you stuck in this little room by yourself. He wants to get you so depressed and so discouraged that you just get, God, God, I don't know. Do you remember me? Yes. Today he's saying to every one of you in this house, yes, I remember you. But God, the burial pains were, were tougher than the labor pains. I know. I know. I was there with my son. And my burying pains were greater than yours. But I did it because I love you. He did it because he loves you. And he's here to give second chances, loving kindness. He's here today to touch you and to wake you up and get you ready to go again. The whole thing pivots on whether or not we ask. Ask and it shall be given unto you. We have to ask. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Today God is speaking this into every heart of everybody in this church. He spoke to me so strongly this week. He said, Pastor, I want to do that which I've already done in their lives. I want to do it I want to do it again. Some of you have been called to be intercessor prayer warriors. Some of you have been called to lay hands on people and they will recover. Some of you have been given gifts of teaching and, and witnessing and administration and hospitality. All the, and God's saying, I want to give that back to them again. Because I'm going to pour out my spirit again. And I'm going to pour it out on PCA Church again. He does not want us talking about history. He wants us talking about the present. He doesn't want us talking about back in the good old days. He wants us talking about here's what's happening today. Here's what's happening today in my life, in my church, in my family, in my home, at work. God wants to do it again. I want you to hear this. I know I'm repeating it. I just feel like in my spirit, God's telling me, tell them again. Tell them again. I want them to get it again and again and again. We all 
are ready. Father, today, I want you to touch me again. Burn in me again. Fire in me. Fan it in flame again. And everybody in this church, would you stand with me today? Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.